So today we're in Daniel chapter 11. How many of you guys were reading ahead? Anybody? Okay. I know a couple of you have been uh, reading back um, because I've heard from you this week where you're really wrestling with Daniel chapter 10 on who is this guy in the white, um, which that really encourages me as a pastor when I hear you like, oh, yeah, we covered something in a sermon and now I'm wrestling with it and studying it more. And so getting into the Bible more. So that's, that's a great encouragement to me. So I know you guys have done that. Um, Daniel 11 has even more that you can really, if you like studying, you can really study um, if, that's, if that's who you are. Um, I'll be honest with you. Uh, Brittany asked me yesterday how the sermon was for today. I was like, I don't know. Um, I, was, I was like, yeah, I was, when I was studying it, I'll just be honest with you, I was bored. Um, because uh, there's a lot in here, a lot of history. So if you like um, dry history, um, then yay for you. Um, but I'm kind of joking. But Daniel 11 actually is, it's really powerful and really good because what it does is um, it's continuing from Daniel 10. And so this is the message that the, the messenger in white brought to Daniel, um, whether you agree with me that that's Jesus or whether you think that's an angel, that doesn't matter. Um, but whoever it is brought this message uh, to Daniel, and this is what he's telling him, and he's laying out for him, hey, here's, here's everything that's about to happen. And we can look back in history now, and we can say, wow, that happened, that happened, that happened, that happened. And to the level of detail that it goes into in Daniel 11 is just amazing, um, that it has all of this down to treaties, and like somebody gave a wife to somebody, and all this kind of stuff is in there. And, and if, you know, we're a few thousand years removed from this history now and a continent or two. Um, and so it's, it's a little bit foreign to us. But if we dig into it and we find out what actually happened and what God said through Daniel is going to happen, then that's pretty powerful. And that's something that's pretty awesome. And so that's our, our challenge today is as, as we look at, at Daniel 11 to get, get kind of that big picture view of what's going on here and not get lost in the weeds, okay? Um, so uh, what we're going to do is we're going to work through the whole chapter. It's a long chapter. I'm warning you now. Um, we're going to work through the whole chapter, and at the end, I'm going to bring back in um, some, some points of kind of things we can be thankful for on Thanksgiving here in relation to what we see in Daniel chapter 11. So let's jump in. If you have a Bible, turn there because we're going to be reading a lot. So um, Daniel 11, starting at verse 1. And as for me, in the first year of Darius the Mede, I stood up to confirm and strengthen him. Now, that basically goes back with uh, what was going on in chapter 10. And so this is the, the messenger just saying like, hey, uh, going back to where he's talking about Michael working with him. As for me, I stood in the first year of Darius the Mede, I stood up to confirm and strengthen him. Then it goes into the message, okay? And now I will show you the truth. Behold... Three more kings shall arise in Persia, and a fourth shall be far richer, richer than all of them. Okay, so the richer one, anybody know who that was? Okay, anybody seen uh, the movie 300? Okay, don't admit it in church, because you probably shouldn't be watching that. Um, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but yeah, so the Persian king that's fighting against the 300 uh, men... 
um, is Xerxes. That would be this guy. Okay, so see, you know somebody from this story. All right. Uh, and he became stronger uh, through his riches, and he shall stir up against the kingdom of Greece. The 300 part, right? Then the mighty king shall arise, who shall rule with great dominion and do as he wills. Who is that? Alexander the Great. You guys are so on this. And as soon as he has arisen, his kingdom shall be broken and divided toward the four winds of heaven. What happened to Alexander the Great? He got a fever and he died. And then what happened to his kingdom? It was split up between four generals in four different areas. Um, but not to his posterity, so not to his children, and not according to the authority which we, with which he ruled. For his kingdom shall be plucked up and go to others besides these. So Daniel right here is saying, like, hey, he's going to be mighty powerful. He's going to come on the scene. Then, boom, he's going to be gone. And then what's going to happen? It's going to be given to four random guys. Exactly what happened. Okay? So going on, verse 5. Then the king of the south shall be strong, but one of his princes shall be stronger than he and shall rule, and his authority shall be great, uh, shall be a great authority. So this king of the south was a guy, I'm, how, do you, how do you do the PT sound? So Ptolemy, Ptolemy Sauter, I'm sure I'm butchering that name, um, but that was the king of the south um, that was in one of these four kingdoms, and then he had a, where it says one of the princes that will be stronger and will rule, um, he had basically a general under him who rose up and basically ruled the kingdom for him, um, and his name was Seleucus Nicator, easy for you to say, all right, um, and so we've seen this happen in history. And some years they shall make an alliance, um, and the daughter of the king of the south shall come to the king of the north to make an agreement, but she shall not retain the strength of her arm, and he and his arm shall not endure, but she shall be given up, and her attendants, he who fathered her, and he who supported her in these times. So who is this? Um, well, the alliance was the, the, with the daughter of the king of the south and the king of the north, was a guy named Antiochus, um, and he gave his daughter Bernice um, to uh, Philadelphus. I'm sorry, so the daughter of Philadelphus was married to Antiochus. Okay, so Bernice and Antiochus were married to make this alliance, um, and this was all told here in Daniel, and then it happened just like that. All right. Moving on, and from a branch, from her root, one shall arise in his place, and he shall come against the army and enter the fortress of the king of the north, and he shall deal with them and shall prevail. He shall also carry off to Egypt their gods and their metal images and their precious vessels of silver and gold, and for some years he shall refrain from attacking the king of the north. Then the latter shall come into the realm of the king of the south, but shall return to his own land." And so uh, Ptolemy III came out of that, that marriage between Antiochus and Bernice um, and attacked Syria and took all the plunder back to Egypt. All right, so this happened just like it said here it was going to happen. All right, going on to verse 10. His son shall wage war and assemble a multitude of great forces which shall, come, uh, which shall keep coming and overflow and pass through and again shall carry the war as far as his fortress. Then the king of the south, moved with rage, shall come out and fight against the king of the north. And he shall raise a great multitude, but it will be given in, 
but it shall be given into his hand. When the multitude is taken away, his heart shall be exalted, and he shall cast down tens of thousands, but he shall not prevail. For the king of the north shall arise against the multitude greater than the first. And after some years, he shall come up with a great army and abundant supplies. So this is the conflict between Antiochus the Great and Ptolemy the Fourth. All right. So this happened. They had a war. They had a battle. All that happened. Okay. Uh, 14. In those times, many shall rise against the king of the south, and the violent among your own people shall lift themselves up in order to fulfill the vision, but they shall fail. And the king of the north shall come and throw up siege works and take a well-fortified city. And the forces of the south shall not stand, or even his best troops, for there shall be no strength to stand. But he who comes against him shall do as he wills, and none shall stand before him, and he shall stand in the glorious land with the destruction in his hand." And he shall set his face to come with the strength of his whole kingdom, and he shall bring terms of an agreement and perform them. He shall give him the daughter of women to destroy the kingdom, but it shall not stand or be to his advantage. Afterwards, he shall, re- he shall turn his face to the coastlands and shall capture, capture many of them, but a commander shall put an end to his insolence. Indeed, he shall turn his insolence back upon him, And then he shall turn his face back towards the fortress of his own land, but shall stumble and fall and shall not be found. Okay, so Antiochus is depicted here again, and he tried to to gain influence um, by giving his daughter Cleopatra to Ptolemy V as his wife. Uh, and when Ptolemy was only 10 years old when this happens, okay, so it's obviously a political move. He's saying, hey, I'm going to give my daughter to the new king down there. He's a 10-year-old, so basically she'll be in charge, and then I'll, I'll have authority down there. But his daughter actually sided with her new husband um, and that kingdom and went against her dad, just like it said that he was gonna do, she was going to do here, and it didn't do what her dad wanted it to do. Um, it, it, it was not accomplished. Um, and then Antiochus was killed um, by locals uh, when he tried to pillage the temple of Baal in Eliamas. Um, and so this all goes right with what all it's saying here. Like this stuff, it just it keeps working out where this is what it was said was going to happen. We look in history. Here's what happened. Okay. So going into verse 20. Then shall arise in his place one who shall send an exactor of tribute for the glory of the kingdom. All right, so this was a guy named Helodorus, all right, H-E-L-I-O-D-O-R-U-S. I don't know if he was odorous or not, but, um, but he came and took everybody's money. He was the tax collector. But within a few days he shall be broken, and neither in anger nor in battle... Um, in his place shall arise a contemptible person to whom royal majesty has not been given. He shall come in without warning and obtain the kingdom by flatteries. Armies shall be utterly swept away under him and broken, and even the prince of the covenant. And so um, here we're getting in uh, to this contemptible person is uh, Antiochus Epiphanes, who we, we looked at when we were looking at Daniel 8, because Daniel 8 covers a lot of this, but not in the detail that it goes into in Daniel 11. And so um, the Antiochus Epiphanes guy, yeah, he didn't really have a right to the throne. Um, he just kind of took it. And he used a lot of 
uh, coercion and persuasion um, to get what he wanted. And he basically conned his way into power and uh, to stealing the throne from his nephew. And, and so then all of this going on through verse 28 really goes along with his life and what we see in history. And from the time that an alliance is made with him, he shall act deceitfully. He made an alliance with Jerusalem, and then he went against it. And he shall become strong with a small people. Without warning, he shall come into the richest parts of the province, and he shall do what neither his fathers nor his father's fathers have done, scattering among them plunder, spoil, and goods. And he shall devise plans against strongholds, but only for a time. And he shall stir up his power and his heart against the king of the south with a great army. And the king of the south shall wage war with an exceedingly great and mighty army, but he shall not stand. For plots shall be devised against him, and even those who eat his food shall break him. His army shall be swept away, and many shall fall down slain. And as for the two kings, their hearts shall be bent on doing evil, and they shall speak lies at the same table, but to no avail, for the end is yet to be at the time appointed. And he shall return to his land with great wealth, but his heart shall be set against the holy covenant, and he shall work with his will and return to his own land. And then it goes on, and at the time appointed, he shall return and come into the south, but it shall not be this time as it was before. For ships of Kittim shall come against him, and he shall be afraid and withdraw, and shall turn back and be enraged and take, back, take action against the Holy Covenant. He shall turn back and pay attention to those who forsake the Holy Covenant. Forces from him shall appear and profane the temple and fortress, and shall take away the regular burnt offering. And he shall set up the abomination that makes desolate, and he shall seduce with flattery those who violate the covenant. But the people who know their God shall stand firm and take action. And the wise among the people shall make many understand. Though for some days they shall stumble by sword and flame, by captivity and plunder. And when they stumble, they shall receive a little help. And many shall join themselves to them with flattery. And some of the wise shall stumble so that they may be refined, purified, and made white until the time of the end, for it still awaits the appointed time. Now, here we see that there was a period of time where Antiochus did go and he attacked Jerusalem. And he shut down the worship in the temple and he said, you can't do that anymore. And then there was a group called the Maccabees that were led by a guy with the last name Maccabee um, that, that rose up and fought against them. Um, and said, no, we're, we're fighting for the Jewish faith, um, for our belief in God, for our ability to worship him as, as we're told to. And so we're fighting back against you. And we, we see this in what, what's prophesied here, that this group was going to rise up against him. Um, and so we see that in history as well. Um, as you study more of the Maccabees um, and this period of time, then you also kind of understand a little bit better where the Jews were coming from uh, that Jesus is interacting with when Jesus showed up on earth. Because um, this was kind of where the Jewish faith had come, uh, come from, leading up right to before Jesus shows up. But, um, yeah. But with this, too, in here, again, as we saw in Daniel 8, there's this mention of the abom abomination that causes desolation. All right. And when we looked at it in Daniel 8, where do we go? We went to Matthew 24, 
uh, where Jesus talks about the abomination that causes desolation as Daniel talked about. He said, here's, here's what Daniel talked about, abomination that causes desolation. And he said, it's something that's still to come, right? And so I think here in Daniel 11, we have some of that that we looked at in Daniel 8, where, yes, we can see parts of this, like it was fulfilled in history. But equally, by it being the living and active word of God, it can also have implications and applications for the future. And so while, while parts of it, yeah, we can definitely look back at this Antiochus Epiphanes guy and say, yeah, he, he did that, and he was a jerk, and the Bible said he was a jerk, and that's what he was. Um, but we can also look at it and look forward uh, to the time that's still to come, which Jesus does, what he does in Matthew 24, where he says, this guy is still to come in the form of the Antichrist. And so I think parts of Daniel 11 here are also applying to that that's still to come, okay? And I, and I think that's a big shift that's about to happen right here in Daniel 11 um, because a lot of what's a, what we're about to read doesn't necessarily appear to be fulfilled by Antiochus Epiphanes, okay? Um, and so I think there's, there's a shift here um, that goes into talking more about the Antichrist, and the king shall do as he wills, and he shall exalt himself and magnify himself above every god, and shall speak astonishing things against the god of gods. He shall prosper till the indignation is accomplished. For what is decreed shall be done, and he shall pay no attention to the gods of his fathers or to the one beloved by women. He shall not pay attention to any other god, for he shall magnify himself above all. He shall honor the God of fortresses instead of these, and a God whom his fathers did not know, he um, shall honor with gold and silver, with precious stones and costly gifts. And he shall deal with the strongest fortresses with the help of a foreign God. And those who acknowledge him, he shall load with honor, and he shall make them rulers over many, and shall divide the land for a price. At the time of the end, the king of the, sh of the south shall attack him, but the king of the north shall rush upon him like a whirlwind with chariots and horsemen, with many ships. And he shall come into countries and shall overflow and pass through. And he shall come into the glorious land and tens of thousands shall fall. But there shall be delivered out of his hand Edom and Moab and the main parts of the Ammonites. And he shall stretch out his hand against the countries and the land of Egypt shall not escape. He shall become ruler of the treasures of gold and silver and all the precious things of Egypt. And the Libyans and the Cushites shall follow in his train. But news from the east and from the north shall alarm him, and he shall go out with great fury to destroy and devote many to destruction. And he shall pitch his palatial tents between the sea and the glorious holy mountain. Yet he shall come to his end with none to help him. All right, so what do I get from that part? I get this. The Antichrist will rise and he will be victorious and wealthy and all appearance of success. But then in the end, his end will come. And there will be no one who can help him. All right, so there's a lot more you can get out of that. So that's why I said, you want to study something? You can study Daniel 11 for a while. But, okay, good job. Looks like most of you are still awake. 
Uh, we made it through uh, the whole chapter. So give yourself a pat on the back for that. Um, but what are our takeaways from this? What can we learn? What can we apply? Like, yeah, it's great to have a history lesson going along with philosophy and, uh, I mean, prophecy and everything, but, but how, does, how does that fit in with our lives? Well, here's some truths that I see from this and something that on Thanksgiving I can be thankful for today. One, I'm thankful that everything is going according to plan. Everything is going according to plan. If we remember back last week uh, in Daniel 10, what we saw was Daniel was distraught and he was praying to God and he was, he was fasting and saying, like, God, I, it, he was really upset over something. And we looked back in, in the time period and there was this time period where the, the rebuilding of the temple had been halted. And, uh, and so it's most likely that, that Daniel was very distraught that that was happening, that he was, you know, he'd been excited over oh, rebuilding the temple, it's finally here, and then it had been stopped. And so we think he's, he's crying out to God over that. And then Jesus shows up here with this message and this message that tells him and says, hey, remember what I already showed you back in Daniel 8? Here's my plan. Here's what's going to happen. It's not just about getting the temple rebuilt. It's a lot bigger than that. I'm working through all of these different kings, all of these different kingdoms, all of these different battles, all of these different alliances, all of these different marriages, all of these different things that are going to happen and take place throughout history. And that's history to come at that point. And, and so when, when Jesus shows up to, to Daniel here, I think he's just reminded him, hey, everything's going exactly the way it's supposed to. Everything is going exactly according to plan. And I think that can be an encouragement to us today. Because maybe there's tough things in our lives. Maybe there's things that honestly we're not that thankful for that are going on right now. But we can look at those things and we can know that Jesus is still in control. And he is still working things out. And if, if part of his plan was even guys like Antiochus Epiphanes and the horrible things that he did... And yet he worked that plan and worked through it the way that he planned it and worked it for good. And I think we can trust him that the things in our lives that are hard, that are difficult, that are challenging, he can work those through those things. And even if those things are part of his plan, we can trust him that, yes, I trust you, Lord, as we go through this. Next thing I'm thankful for out of this is God is God over the whole earth and all mankind, not just the Jews. This is big in an Old Testament passage, okay? Because, yeah, when Jesus showed up, he started teaching everybody. He started showing everybody, like, yeah, I'm, I'm not just here for the Jews. Like, I'm here for the Gentiles, too. I have, I have sheep who are not of this flock, is one of the things he said, right? And for that, those of us who don't know if we have a Jewish heritage can look back and say, well, I'm really thankful for that. I'm really thankful that Jesus came and, and by his blood I am able to be made right with God even though I'm not of the Jewish nation, even though I'm not an Israelite. By his blood I've been grafted in. By his blood I've been joined in to his covenant promises. And here even in the Old Testament we see Jesus showing up and saying, I'm not just worried about the temple getting rebuilt. I'm not just worried about Fortifying, fortifying Jerusalem. 
I'm not just worried about setting up Israel as a nation. I'm working in all nations throughout the whole earth, all powers, and my hand is in all of it and over all of it. And so I'm thankful that God is God over the whole earth and all mankind, not just the Jews. Number three, I'm thankful that God's plan includes evil leaders and it includes their end. You say, well, why, why are you thankful for that? Here's why I'm thankful for that. Because there is no doubt that they exist. When we look around at the world today and people in charge in different places and different things and things that are happening, it's very clear that there's evil. It's very clear that things that are against God are happening. And it gives me great peace and great assurance that I can look at passages like Daniel 11 and say, oh, even those guys can be a part of his plan. But you know what also is a part of his plan? You know what we see in every single person listed in Daniel 11? Their end. Their end. They all come to an end. They have their purpose, they have their season, they have their reason, and then they're done. Even the Antichrist, who I think is talked about there at the end. In Revelation, we know what happens to him. He meets his end, and he's cast into the lake of fire. And juxtaposed to all of them is Jesus, who has no end. Jesus, who will last forever. Jesus, who is eternal. Jesus, who has defeated sin and death, is seated on his throne, and he's seated there in righteousness, and he welcomes us into his kingdom. Welcomes us to come and be with him. So yes, I'm thankful to know that part of God's plan is what's going on in this crazy world we live in. But I'm also very thankful that it all has its end and then we have a future with Christ. If we know him, if we called on him to be our Lord and Savior. Because through faith in Jesus, belief in what he did on that cross makes a way for you to be reunited with God and spend eternity with him. And that's the offer that is before you today. And if you've never accepted that, if you've never asked Jesus to be your Lord and Savior, I encourage you to do so today. Call out to him and say, Jesus, I believe that you are the Son of God. I believe you came and lived a sinless life. I believe you died on a cross, paying the punishment for sin. I believe that you did that for me. I believe that 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 payment was received by the fact that you rose again three days later. And that you ascended into heaven where you're seated at the right hand of the Father. And you're on your throne and you're reigning and you're ruling. And I'm giving my life to you. Just ask him that today. And I'm thankful that I know that new life that he brings. And I'm also thankful for this. This is my last thing out of Daniel 11. I'm thankful that God's word is true. God's word's true. When we look at passages like this, yeah, it's easy to get bored, glossy-eyed, like, what's he talking about here? And then you start studying, and you get even more, like, what? I don't know how to even say any of these names. Um, but here's the fact. The fact is, God's word said, here's what's going to happen. And then what happened was exactly that. And it gets to the point, it's like, hey, here's what's going to happen. 
You know what I think is going to happen? Exactly that. Because God's word is true. And that's why we devote time to things like studying through Daniel 11, right? Um, that's why we, we dig into to God's word in its fullness here is because as scripture says, all scripture is, is breathed by God and it's profitable for teaching, for proof and correction and righteousness. Um, and so I believe Daniel 11 has value for us in our life today. I believe it has value in your life. I believe it has value in my life. And so we spend time digging into it. Um, I'm really excited about Daniel 12. It's, it's a lot easier. Um, so uh, come back next week for that. Uh, and then I'm excited about where we're going after that. The elders have decided. Uh, anybody want to guess where we're going next? It's in the Bible. I'll tell you that. Oh, Warren, do you know? It was actually his idea. Um, we're going to Genesis next. Um, so we're going to work through Genesis uh, after. So in two weeks, we'll be in the book of Genesis. So, uh, so I'm excited for that. We're going to see how it all started. Um, and that's the beauty of God's word is, yeah, it tells us what's to come, but it also tells us where we came from. And so we get to, to see that um, as well. And so we're going to dig into that um, after uh, we finish Daniel next week. So uh, let me pray for us, and then uh, the worship team will come back and lead us. Dearly Father, I do thank you for your goodness. I thank you for your word. I thank you uh, for tough passages of scripture. Uh, thank you for the parts that uh, maybe are a little, little harder uh, for us and for us to connect with and identify with. Um, but I thank you that they're there for us because I know it's your word, it's your truth, and that, um, that you have meaning in it for us. And so, Lord, I just ask you uh, to use the words that we, we read today and the truth that we study today and use it in our lives. Um, use it to draw us closer to you. Lord, help us as we, we live in a world um, filled with evil, filled with wrong things and, and even evil leaders and rulers. And, and God, I just uh, ask you to use each of them according to your plan. Work out your purposes um, because we know that your plan is good. We know that your purposes are good. And what happens in the end is all at your fingertips and all according to your will. And so, Lord, I just ask you um, to work that. And, Lord, we thank you that all of that ultimately does come to an end. But you do not. That you are eternal and that we get to be with you and worship you for all eternity. And I praise you and I thank you for your goodness. In Christ's name I pray. Amen.